going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Podcast. A proud member of Underdog and the Underdog Fantasy family. And if you guys want to go check out Underdog Fantasy right now, best ball drafts are underway. Tons of great contests over there. And if you sign up right now and you use code TRIPLE, they'll double your first deposit up to $100. So yeah, if you want to throw a rack on something over on Underdog, they will match that rack. $100 at Underdog Fantasy code TRIPLE. All right, so tonight we got a fantastic, fantastic show planned for you guys here. Uh, So you don't see Doc here, but you do see the guy who I call him Rowdy Telez because he gets rowdy on the mic. It is Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's it going? It's good. It's good. You got, what, what is a rack a specific amount of money? I, I feel like it's a specific amount. Is Actually, I, I was wrong because technically a rack is a grand. A grand. I'll say you're the only one throwing racks around. That's right. Mendy's the rack thrower. I don't know about that, but uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So rack is technically a thousand. I, I think I forgot what a hundred is, but yeah. What's a, a band? What's a band? band. I think it's make- a band. Yeah, it's a band. Yeah. Hundred is a band. band. We'll a rack dance. is a brand. Oh man, I love yep. it. I want to. So I much, get so much cool lingo you guys are learning already just lingo. listening to the podcast. We also, of course, have the guy that likes to party, like Mike Napoli, and that's Marty Party. What's going on? Why Mike Napoli? I literally looked up players that like to party on Google, and that was the first name that came up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> for being honest, but well, then that's, tell me that's a great like, answer. Then when you when you watched him play, he seemed like the type of guy that was the clubhouse party guy. No. Potentially, yeah. Maybe he got up on a you know a Wednesday night, got a little more more drunk than everybody else. But honestly, I don't know. I don't know too much about Mister Napoli. I think he was just more the the guy everybody wanted in the clubhouse because he was just like mm. he brought the party type of thing, you know. So okay, just take the compliment, Marty Party. Just take. Yeah, the I don't know if that's a compliment, but all right, <laughs> all right. Well, no doc tonight, but we let's just say we brought someone in that's worth at least twenty docs on the show. We welcome in a man who makes it rain dollar bills like Matt Olson hitting home runs last season. The host of CBS's Fantasy Baseball today, he's, let's just say, not one, not two, actually two-time back-to-back Tout Wars championships. He tears up the golf course with my hybrids, and he's clutch on the soundboard like Royce Lewis hitting clutch bombs. He's overall just a good people person, and let's just say uh, the kind of guy you would want to drink a beer with Watch anime with, do whatever with. It is the the people's person here, Frank Stample. What's up, man? Yo, Mendy. I appreciate that fantastic introduction. For those who don't know, I know the first thing you mentioned there, uh, dr- throwing money around like uh, Matt Olson. I-, I already forgot what you said, but I did put a preseason bet on Matt Olson to lead the league in home runs last mm-hmm. year. Came to fruition. So. Pretty happy about that. You know, I'm not making as much money as Mendy is out in the betting <laughs> streets, but we're trying out here. I appreciate it, man. Yes, good times playing some golf together. Miss you guys out of first pitch, Arizona. Uh, it was great, you know, two years back uh, meeting you guys and you know, down in a couple of beers and some seltzers and stuff, but uh, great times and happy to be here, man. So I have to ask for our audience. Is there a chance you might give away your pick for this year's home run leader on this show tonight? Oh, geez. You know, I haven't looked at the odds yet. Uh, part of the reason, I'll tell you my full reasoning for uh, taking Matt Olson last year. He looked awesome in spring training. That mm-hmm. really was it. You know, I looked up and down the the betting board on, you know, the odds to lead the league in home runs. And 
you know, Matt Olson has been a premier home run hitter in the past. He looked amazing in the spring, surrounded by a great, you know, team with the Atlanta Braves. So mm-hmm. really wasn't much that went into it. it. I didn't do anything crazy. I didn't have an algorithm that spit out the answer. Oh, Matt Olson. It's, you know, let's see who kind of shows up to spring training. Who's in the quote unquote best shape of their life. You know, if Vlad Jr. shows up like uh, Vlad Jr. of uh, 2021, maybe we're throwing a few shekels on Vlad Jr. So <laughs> I don't have a bet yet. I got to look at the odds, but uh, I don't know. Stay tuned. Maybe I'll, I'll throw a few bets on the old Twitter machine. Yeah, I mean, again, you. What were his odds when you called it last? Year? It was they were really good. It was twenty bucks to pay out six hundred. Like it was like plus three thousand. I think you got it at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, Frank, if you do it again, should, uh, I was gonna say this is just so you know how much you mean to to D Mendy. I was Mike Napoli. Art was Rowdy Telez, <laughs> and you were Matt Olson. So that's just that's how he views us. Thanks. Let's go! Hey, come on, guys! Like. We can do a little bit better than Mike Napoli. Come on, Mendy. I mean, it's a team of sluggers. I mean, we're. All, I'm saying you guys are all hitting home runs at the end of the day. So I guess. I you know I know we're doing a second base preview today, but Rowdy Telez, man, don't let that guy get hot in Pittsburgh. I, I don't mind it as a deep league corner infielder. Let's go, Rowdy, man. We did talk about him last week on first base, and yes. yeah, I mean, his ADP yes, is like five hundred something. I think last time we looked, so I mean, he's pretty much free. And I know you guys last week that were listening heard uh, Art talk about him. But we will, as Frank mentioned, talked about second baseman tonight in our second baseman preview. So our second episode, we figure second base fits in really well with that here. So what we're going to do is, as you guys know, last week, we're going to go through 1 through 10, 11 through 20, and 20 plus in terms of ranges of second baseman. And we'll talk about who we love and who we do not like at their current draft price over on the NFBC. And the dates we're going to be looking at are since December 28th. So it's about 50 ish drafts right now. As I have mine up, it says 55 drafts. So kind of the most recent data that we can look at to kind of get a sense of where these guys are going right now. Before we get started, I thought that we should start by calling second base sexy base because we got to bring sexy back to the position. I feel like it's a very much an afterthought (laughs) position. So that's what we're doing tonight. And Frank, you're going to be kicking off sexy base here with your one through 10 second baseman that you are loving and you are finding as much as you can in drafts. Who's that? So, you know, I do think sexy has been brought back to second base a little bit because for years we haven't really had a consistent first round player who had second base eligibility. Mookie Betts now playing Mm -hmm. all over the diamond. He has second base outfield eligibility. So I wanted to throw that out there. I do think uh, second base sexy has been brought back a little bit. Um, I still really like Jose Altuve. He typically goes in like the third, fourth rounds of drafts, third round in a 15 team league, fourth round in, in maybe a 12 team league. But I'm going to go a little bit further down. You know, whatever. I can talk to you about Jose Altuve. You know, he's good. There's not really much I could tell you about him. Bryson Stott has an ADP of 103.1. Mm-hmm. He's the ninth second baseman off the board coming off a breakout 2023 season. He hit 280, 15 home runs, 31 steals, makes a ton of contact. He dropped his strikeout rate from 19% in 2022 to 15.6% in 2023. He vastly improved his batted ball distribution as well. More line drives and a lot less infield fly balls. Mm -hmm. Infield fly balls are kind of a weird stat. I don't know how often people look at them. I look at them a lot because they're automatic outs. I don't really like hitters that hit a lot of infield pop-ups, right? I've been you know, doing research on other players, guys like, you know, CJ Abrams led all qualified shortstops at, uh, in infield pop-ups last year. And again, those are automatic outs. So yeah, if you want, check out my bus 1.0, CJ Abrams is in there, but we're talking about Bryson Stott. So I like what he did with his batted balls last year. 
He's really fast, 88th percentile sprint speed. I think that supports the 31 steals that he put up last year. I think maybe based on how fast he is, he could actually run more. I, I don't think that's crazy for Bryson Stott. And don't tell my wife this, but something that really gets me going <laughs> is a young left-handed hitter who also hit lefties. I love it, right? We don't have to worry about splits. We don't have to worry about any of that crazy stuff playing time. Bryson Stott is going to be on the field. He's going to play every single day. He was great against lefties last year. Mm -hmm. In fact, he hit better against lefties than he did righties. He hit 282 against lefties, 280 against righties, a 101 WRC plus against both equally. Uh, it's a stacked lineup, which kind of a double-edged sword because I feel like there's not really an opportunity for Bryson Stott to hit higher in the lineup. Mm -hmm. but because it's a really deep lineup, I still think the counting stats are going to be there. Good batting average, 15-plus homers, 30-plus steals. You're getting him outside of the top 100 picks. Bryson Stott is a player that I will be targeting a lot this offseason. I definitely, I, I was going to bring up the fact that he was going to maybe hit at the bottom of the lineup and would that deter you away? But like, as you mentioned, the stack lineup and you look across the board, the strikeout percentage, two straight years under a 20% strikeout rate last year being just over 15%. Still walking at a, an MLB average clip right now. Uh, the fly ball rate is decent. Swinging strike rate is under 7% last year. Uh, everything across the board, the numbers look fantastic. Obviously, the 31 steals really stands out at you, which uh, I know the stolen bases go up, but 30-plus steals from anybody is definitely a nice thing to have. Uh, my question to you here, Frank, is he's right now the ninth second baseman off the board. Would you rather have him or would you rather have Glaber Torres, who's going about a round ahead of him? So I believe I was asked this exact question on... Joe Arico's podcast recently. Ooh. Joe Arico, great guy as well. Also met, yeah. met him out at First Pitch Arizona. I did say I would take Glaber Torres. Um, I think Glaber Torres is just a better hitter all around. He's not going to provide as many steals. I think we know that. But solid batting average as well. He's going to hit for more pop. His stat cast numbers are tremendous, right? I mean, typically middle infielders, they don't hit the ball all that hard. Bryson Stott doesn't hit the ball all that hard either. But Glaber Torres actually does, and he made some big gains in the plate mm. discipline last year. I think the Yankees lineup is obviously going to bounce back and be awesome with the additions of Juan Soto and Alex Verdugo. So mm -hmm. it's close between those two. I like them a lot, but I would take Glaber Torres just a hair ahead of Bryce Stott. I don't know how to answer this question. I, uh, Don asks, why is Bryce Stott bore me so much? Can he be more, Frank, can he be more exciting this year? Is, is, there, is there another gear for Bryce Stott? I don't know that there is another gear. As I mentioned, he doesn't hit the ball all too hard. It is a great home ballpark, but he's not someone that really profiled as a power hitter. So expecting more than 15 home runs, I mm. probably wouldn't. I did mention the sprint speed. I mean, is there a chance that he can get to like 40 steals? I mean, if we're talking about a, you know, can, can he, with, given the strikeout rate, can he get to like a 300 average with 40 steals? That's probably like a 95th percentile outcome or better. It, again, it's not something that I would expect, but I don't think it's impossible either. I mean, this is a player that had some prospect pedigree, real close friends with Bryce Harper. So, you know, those guys in the same lineup together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had the Welsh for years telling me, you know, Bryce is Stott, he's going to be a thing. He's going to be a thing. So uh, I'm not sure that I would expect that. I, I don't know that he's the most fun player, I guess, uh, based on the question that we pulled up, but... <laughs> <laughs> I would expect something similar to what he did last year. I do think there's a chance that he can maybe run even a little bit more. All right, Bryson Stott, somebody that's going out of value after pick 100 and has that 30 steal potential as he showed last year. 
and maybe 15 to 20 home runs. Not a bad value there, as Frank was talking about. LC, we did mention Glaber Torres, and he is somebody mm-hmm. that you find yourself really wanting to draft. And Frank even said he would definitely want to draft him as well. So why don't you go ahead and keep spreading the Glaber Torres love and tell us why he's so good? Well, I'll start off by saying that I think second base is not sexy. Although, oh, don't do do that. No, I mean Mookie Betts. Take Mookie Betts if you're there. Take him at five. Take him at four, maybe. Take take Mookie Betts if you can take him. He is going to be a killer. He'd be my he'd be my favorite in the top ten. If I was just going to go with one, it'd be Mookie. I think you want to be swimming in the top 10 waters with your second baseman, to be honest. Uh, But Torres, I like because he's going a little bit towards the back of that top 10, but he also has the potential to be the biggest power source. He has good stolen base numbers. He stole uh, like 16 last. He's stolen at least like 10 to, to 20 in the last two seasons. Projections have him for 14 next year. So he's, he's, Above average in stolen basement bases, he's he's not hurting you there. He has the best power potential, and that Yankees lineup is good. His counting stats, I think, are going to be really good. So, given that he's going at pick eighty-eight, mm-hmm. uh, that is giving you some chance to address some areas, other areas first. I think that I think that you could be justified in taking him in the sixties. Uh, I, I as far because he's he's. He's that strong of a second baseman uh, uh, value to me. Uh, and I think that I I would be looking at him once he got to like the fifth, fourth, fifth round. I'd start to like look and see if I'm if I'm going to take him next. There is a lot to like there. We saw a strikeout rate just 14 percent last year, walking at a double digit clip at 10 percent expected batting average at 271, which again, a 273 average. So it's right in line there. Home run to fly ball rate has been what it was also in 2022. Uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, he's turned into a solid player. He's he's the player that the one season where he had like bazillions of home runs against the Orioles and looked like a superstar is he, he's probably not that player, but I think where he is now, which is I think very similar to a lot of second basemen we'll talk about tonight. He's one of those players that's kind of decreased in value in terms of ADP, but it's gotten to a point now where it's kind of a bargain in a sense because mm-hmm. you kind of feel like, Hey, if I get the worst version of Glaber Torres, like here, I'm willing to take that chance as opposed to in past years where he might've been a top 50 pick. You're not willing to take that risk. And I think Glaber Torres here as the eighth second baseman off the board is definitely a value. And somebody in that loaded, again, we talked about the Phillies lineup, the Yankees lineups looking pretty solid this year yeah, with Soto good. and judge in there. And obviously um, they have Xander, uh, not Xander Bogarts, uh, Alex Verdugo in there. They've, they've upgraded in a lot of different places. So it is somewhere there uh, with Glaber Torres. I do like him here as well. Marty Party, Glaber Torres hey. was one of the players that you were thinking about putting here. But yeah. you're going with the guy that's going after Torres and after Bryson Stott. You're going all the way at 10th spot here. Andres Jimenez, who I think disappointed people a little bit more than they thought last season. Why should we believe he's going to bounce back this year? Well, and the reason why I'm, I'm split between Torres and Jimenez, it's really how I constructed my roster before then. So if mm-hmm. I was able, so if I paid up for steals in the first, you know, three, four uh, rounds, um, then I'm going to go ahead with Glaber, try to chase that that power upside while still getting, you know, the 15, 10, 15 swipes. Let's say, as we've all found ourselves behind in stolen bases, I'm going Andres Jimenez. And we're looking at Steamer. They have them uh, projected for batting 265, 
19 home runs and 27 stolen bases. What I would want to ask anybody who's drafting Hassan Kim, why are you taking Kim when you can wait for Jimenez? Uh, he's going in, he's going pick 86. I could wait, you know, a round and a half and get Andres Jimenez. And the contact skills have improved. Obviously, there's no there, there's no power there. So I think because of how often he's going to play every single day, so the plate appearances are going to be close to 700, I would imagine. I think he'll be able to you know stumble into 15 home runs. So I actually do believe in – I think his his projection for home runs for, from Steamer is a little high. I'm more mm-hmm. in that 15, 16 home runs. But the they don't know what they're doing with stolen bases. I, I feel like they're kind of tripped up on how to project them because – Jimenez is, I think he's he's good to get over 30. So the way I'm projecting him is 16 home runs, 33 stolen bases, batting around 260, 270, somewhere in there, which is about the 80th percentile of NFBC leagues last year too. For those that um for those that cast, you know, you want to get up to that 270 mark. So he's absolutely right there. And like I said, if you're gonna if you're in on Kim, you might as well just wait for Jimenez. Now, do you believe because obviously Terry Francona is gone and there's a new manager there? that the stolen bases could be more fluctuable here because, uh, again, 20 and then 30. I feel like a lot of times the the way teams run a lot of times is a manager's philosophy. Is that is yeah. that something that's going into your mind when you're in your process here with picking him, that that could be more volatile because we don't know what it's, it could potentially be like in Cleveland this year? Yeah, and as we know, like Cleveland's a station-to-station ball club, so mm-hmm. they're going to need somebody to steal bases just from a, from a philosophy standpoint. That's how they generate their runs. So he's going to be hitting either first or second in the Cleveland in the uh, the Guardians lineup. Mm-hmm. Now, with the way that the stolen the way stolen bases are, I think you'd be doing a huge disservice. Any no manager right now is not letting their base dealers run right now. So I don't care who's in there; they're going to let them run. Fair enough. I mean, again, Andres Jimenez at the 10th, 10th second baseman here is definitely a value to take that chance here. I think you guys going 8, 9, 10 and kind of waiting on these guys is a really good approach to second base. If you don't get Mookie Betts, as we talked about, get him. If you can't, then wait. The player, I, I feel like I was kind of surprised no one brought up was Matt McClain, who had an amazing rookie season. And I know there were certain points of the year where it looked like he faltered a little bit, but you know, a 270 average or 290 average, excuse me, still a 257 expected batting average, which is in this day and age, it's actually, I think, above league wide batting average. Um, 385 BABIP obviously is something that won't be sustainable. And I think people will point to that as a negative against him, but he's in arguably one of the most exciting lineups. Frank, I actually listened today, and I think you guys, it was one of your uh, favorite lineups to uh, boom this year kind of to take the next step right um you guys did a pod i think in the last day or two on that um i think he that lineup context he was hitting at the top of the order uh the strikeout rate obviously a little bit high a little higher than you would like to see but as a rookie that's something that doesn't scare me because i think he can make adjustments 14 stolen bases 16 home runs those numbers play and again you give me an exciting lineup and he's hitting at the top of it counting stats are going to be there for him Seventh second baseman feels like this could be where he's going as like the fourth or fifth next year and you're getting a value. Do any of you guys fading Matt McClain here or just not interested? I'm not fading Matt McClain. The problem that I've run into in drafts that I've done so far is that I'm always drafting pitching in that range, right? It's I I typically have taken two hitters to start my draft, but then, you know, rounds three through five, that's typically where I'm looking for either starting pitchers or 
maybe my first closer. So I'm not opposed to it. I'm a little bit worried about the strikeout rate, you know, nearly 29%. Mm -hmm. As a second year player, you know, there are, there's a very real chance that he can improve on that. But, you know, even if he doesn't, even if he hits 260, I mean, you're still projecting something like, you know, 20 to 25 home runs, 20 plus stolen bases as well. I agree the counting stats should be there in that lineup. In a vacuum, I like the player. I'm not scared off of him, you know, being a young guy going inside the top 60. But typically that that has been when I'm targeting starting pitching. So uh, it's either I get Mookie Betts in the first, I get someone like Jose Altuve in the third. If I don't do that, mm -hmm. then I'm grabbing my pitching in the top, you know, in the, the next couple of rounds. And then maybe I'm looking at someone like Labor Torres or Bryson Stott. Fair enough. I think like Mar I think Marty brought that point up originally, depending on how you construct your team. So yeah, like again, if he's in a range of where you like pitching, that makes perfect sense with why he might not be in as many of your teams as it stands right now. I do want to stand on the flip side of things for a second here, because one of the things I should have done directly is, Elsie, I didn't see that you didn't like Bryson Stott. I think Frank made a good argument for him. What is yeah. your argument against taking Bryson Stott? My argument against Stott is, uh, and Frank laid out both sides of it pretty well. I would lean more on like I'm a little bit nervous about the power that 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 15 might be the upper end of his home runs. So you'd be looking at more like 10. Um, and in the lineup position, he hit sixth or fifth or sixth or seventh most of the last season. His counting, st uh, his counting statistics and runs and RBIs were not that impressive, even with sort of a breakout season. That to me, I think I, I like Stott. Um, I think that uh, you know the speed is there, but when I was looking in the top ten, I thought um, his chance of moving up in the lineup is is pretty slim. I think it's possible that. You know, Schwarber is really bad and they don't lead him off anymore or something like that. And then he might stop, might move up to like two, but like his chance of being at like at two are pretty low because they're pretty set in the top four or five. So it's, it's, uh, who bats fifth? Is it, is it Bohm or Stott? And then he's sixth, or you can put Real Muto at six and he's seventh. And it's like, I think there's, there's a chance that his counting stats could be really hurt. Uh, and I just found the other, you know, the other top 10 to be pretty, pretty safe bets, pretty decent picks for where they were going. Like, I think Nico is, uh, is kind of like the, the new, uh, the new Whit Merrifield right now. I, I, I kind of like, uh, Matt McLean where he is, like you were bringing it up, but like, I, I think Stodd is someone who's, you know, a little bit, he's a little bit boring, um, for what he's bringing. He might, he might not, he might <laughs> not have. hilarious that you said that. He might not you're have. Bringing up, you're bringing up literally what, uh, what they was talking about before. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't see like, yeah, he, his upside is in speed. He could, he could jump in speed for sure. I definitely mm -hmm. think so. Um, but that was my argument against him. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't, I don't think it's a bad pick where he's going, but if I, I said, if I had to pick one, that'd be why I'd not go with Stott. Well, let me ask you this before I want to hear Frank's who he's avoiding here. Do you think you'll have any drafts with Bryson Stott? If Stott falls like, Around or two, yeah, definitely. Uh, but where he's currently going, you'll have zero Bryson Stott. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go with him there. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Frank, I know Marty and I are on the same guy here, so I want to, in case it, it threes company, I want to take a shot to see who you uh, are avoiding here. Well, based on what Marty already said, then uh, we might all be on the same guy. Three's company, baby. It is Ha Sung Kim, who has an yep. ADP of 80.6 uh, during this you know, the past 50 drafts that we're looking at the seventh second baseman off the board. He does have multi-position eligibility, play second, third, 
and shortstop. Breakout year last year, 17 home runs, 38 steals. But, you know, much like Bryson Stott and, you know, a lot of the other second basemen, he does not hit the ball hard at all. I mean, his average exit velocity was in the seventh percentile. His 4.2% barrel rate was in the 11th percentile. He hit 17 home runs on only 18 barrels. So to me, that doesn't really add up. Normally, the conversion is like, on average, 60% of your barrels should, you know, that should equate to your home run total. So he does pull the ball a lot. So maybe like he's got a little Isak Paredes thing going on. But uh, yeah, he's got issues with splits. He's much better against lefties than he is against righties. There are a lot of players that are kind of just in this similar mold at second base, right? Where they're going to hit 250 to 270. They're going to hit 10 to 15 home runs. They're going to give you 30 plus steals, right? Why wouldn't you just take the ones that are going a little bit later on, right? Like Bryson mm-hmm. Stott or Andres Jimenez or even a second baseman that I will bring up a little bit later on. But for that reason, it just doesn't really make sense in my mind to take Hassan Kim where he's going at ADP. He's a fire and ice player. If you look at his player page, it's red and blue all mixed in. And last year he was a bargain. This year you're paying full price for what we got. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're all kind of turned off from him is it's like you're paying at his ceiling pretty much right now. And and we saw the first half of the year, he wasn't even nearly the player he became. And so are you getting second half Hassam Kim? Are you getting the first half Hassam Kim? Are you getting last year's Hassam Kim? Like there's too many questions, I think, for him to be going as a top six second baseman this year in the top 100. I, I, I'm actually surprised and I would not be shocked if two months from now when we're getting ready for the season, if he hasn't slid to more of the back end of the top 10. In terms of ADP, I think more people are probably going to feel that way as well. Marty, is there any other points you wanted to add with Hassan Kim before we go to the next range of players here? No, you pretty much said it all. Low, low uh, contact rate, doesn't barrel the ball. Um, he'll be hitting atop the lineup, so the run should be plentiful in San Diego. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I don't see him getting 17 home runs. Did you did you hear my uh, my iPhone or my Apple Watch? No. I don't know if it, it literally when you said he bubble, you said something negative about him and my Apple Watch just said that's not nice. <laughs> I wish it picked it up. I wish the show picked it up. Um yeah, Hassam Kim, I think as a, a podcast, we're all kind of fading him. So uh, if you guys are listening, that just right now where he stands in ADP, I don't think we'll have very much Hassam Kim. But let's talk about the second baseman that we love going in the eleven to twenty range. And Frank, I'm gonna go back to you here. Who is a second baseman in this range? Now we're kind of in this spot. You can kind of go get your guys in a sense, or you can wait on your guys because it's not, they're all going after the first hundred picks. So I, I like this. This is a little bit more kind of maneuvering here. Who is the second baseman that you are finding you're trying to draft a lot of here? So I alluded to this player already, right? Kind of fits a similar mold in that 250 to 270 batting average, 10 plus homers, 30 plus steals. Uh, and someone I was definitely skeptical of last offseason, Tyro Estrada with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, he came back and basically did exactly what he did in 2022. In fact, he actually got a little bit better. So this past season hit 271, 14 homers, 23 steals. He did all of that in just 120 games. He's in the prime of his career at uh, 28 years old. He turns 28 in February. But this is two years in a row hitting 260 or better, exactly 14 home runs, 21 plus steals. Can't explain it with the quality of contact. Like the stack has data is bad, but a lot of the players we've talked about, it is bad, but mm-hmm. 
he kind of does this Isak Paredes thing where he doesn't hit the ball hard, but he pulls everything. If you look at his spray chart, all 14 of his home runs went to left center or, you know, straightaway left field. So he's kind of like mastered that skill, I, I would say, uh, Tyro Estrada has done. And he did all this despite, you know, dealing with injuries last year. I mentioned only 120 games. He went on the IL with a sprained left wrist. He suffered a fractured left hand, which was fluky. It was a hit by pitch. Uh, and then he struggled after returning in August. But he finished as a top 125 player in Roto last year. Now his ADP is 136. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really add up to me. I think if we get a full season out of him, we can get 15 plus home runs, 30 plus deals with a batting average that doesn't hurt you. And, uh, you know, he's kind of the last of that mold in terms of ADPs going later than Jimenez and and the other names we talked about, Stott, Hassan Kim. So Tyro Estrada is a name that I will be targeting probably more so in, in deeper leagues. Is it because he's on the Giants and that they're not a team that's talked about too much? Is it because he, I feel like he's he's a name that most people are going to look over and it's going to be one of those guys, you look at his numbers and it's you kind of you know pop your eyes out and are kind of more surprised at what he did. But I feel like when we look at second baseman, especially in this range, he's not the first guy that jumps out at you. Do you feel like that that could be an advantage in terms of maybe not with like Sharks and NFBC, but if you're drafting just like in a home league or, you know, with people that are a little bit less attached, they're not going to recognize his name that much and he could be an even bigger value potentially? Yeah, I think that's that's totally reasonable, especially, look, if you play in like a 12-team Roto League and he starts to slip a little bit and you're you're talking about getting him as your middle infielder now, he's mm-hmm. not even your starting second baseman or shortstop, I, I think that's great value. It could be the reasons you mentioned. The Giants lineup still pretty suspect. The biggest move yep. they made this offseason was signing Jung-Hoo Lee, who, let's be honest, what is his contribution really going to be from an offensive perspective? Good batting average, very modest power and speed. I still think the Giants have another move in them. Maybe it's like Matt Chapman or Cody Bellinger. Obviously, that would help the lineup. But uh, yeah, it could be that the team is is not projected to have a great lineup. But you know what? That's been the case each of the past two years as well. And Tyro Estrada has been really productive when he's been on the field. So, 14 home runs in back-to-back seasons. Uh, again, 21 and 23 stolen bases. So he's so he's kind of shown you what the kind of player he he could be. But what's interesting is 140 games in 2022, he hit 14. Last year, he did that in just over 100 games. Uh, he hit 14 home runs. So there could be another year there with him as well. Like Frank, you mentioned, the the line of context may not be great, but there's also not a lot of batters that are pushing him out of the lineup either. So you know, as long as he's healthy, he should be able to play a lot of games, be able to accumulate a lot of counting stats. And there's definitely a lot to like here with Tyro Estrada. Uh, now... Marty, I'm going to go to you next here because you like Brandon Drury, a name we trashed on this show last year. And it, it kind of. When you say we, team, I was not part of that, just so you know. Me and Eric trashed on this show a lot last year. And I'm probably going to trash him again this year. So I would love for you to make the case for Brandon Drury, please, because I, I don't know. What, like, even though his ADP is lower than it was last year, it's still too high. I can't think. Well, first off, he's not he's not uh, one of your your sexy second basements. All right. I will. I will admit to that. Um, mm-hmm. But I honestly can't there, at that point in the draft for for a second baseman. I don't think there's anyone at, at where he's going around pick 234 that can hit you 25 home runs and hit 250 without sinking your batting average. Because if you look to maybe maybe Brandon um, or maybe Jorge Blanco, but you can't really he's constantly hurt. 
I like where Brandon Jury's going. Number one, first base and second base eligibility. So at that point, he's going to be your middle infielder, you know, or your uh, your corner infield. He barrels the ball at a good percentage. He has a career 245 XBA over these nine mm-hmm. seasons. He stays relatively healthy and he's just sneaky valuable. Like he's going to play as much as possible. They have him third in the lineup right now for the Angels. And I can't go take a look, D Mendy. Take a, take a look down, down the list of second basemen. Who do you feel can hit you 25 home runs without sinking your batting average at that exact moment? How, how much of a range can I jump here? Just from him down. I don't, there's no one else. I, but I, I'm saying I think I would rather take Geloff. I would rather take Estrada. I would rather take Nolan Gorman. I would rather take Edward Julian. I would that's like, why, so would everybody else. That's why they're 100 picks earlier. But I think I would <laughs> rather, but I'm saying they're not all 100 picks earlier. Drury's going 220. Geloff right. is going one third. So, okay. So, even just closer to his range, I would take Gorman and Julian, who are going. I like up- Gorman as well. I don't have a problem with Gorman. Um, Julian, I'm st- I, I need to see a full full sample of that. Well, he's and the player got- I like in this range. So, we can argue about that too. But, um, but you, you got to keep in mind, I'm also talking about the first base and second base eligibility. I mean, at that point in the draft, that's pretty big. But first base, I think, is a little deeper this year than it has been in past years. So I'm not going to necessarily even for me personally, even that extra eligibility. He was four position eligible last year and he still wouldn't make your lineup. That's how bad he was. He should have been in in any 15 team league. He was rostered. He was rostered. but But at the same time, it's like you're throwing out. I'm throwing out trash out there. Look at his stats. I think this is where you get caught up in the name. Take a look at his stats. Pull him up. But okay, so you can look at the end of the season stats. But what did he do most of the season? He he kind of came on a little bit at the end of the year, but for most of the year, and anything that was shallower than a fifteen team league, he was unstartable. And he's in arguably one of the worst lineups in baseball right now. Twenty twenty two hit twenty eight home runs. Twenty twenty three twenty six home runs. He's a good bet to hit you twenty five home runs and bat two fifty. And at that spot, that's worth it. So you're not worried at all about his, the contact. You're not worried at all about the lineup context. You're not worried about. Uh, he's batting third. He's going to play as much as possible. That's why he's going, you know, that late. A 26% strike route rate to an under 5% walk rate. Say that again. A 26% strike out rate to a 4.8% walk rate. That's why his batting average is going to be about 250. I, there's, there's a lot. I mean. I personally, I mean, would, if your argument is you would draft people before him, we I all would draft the person one spot ahead of him. And I would, if I, if I missed out, I would go ahead and take somebody that we'll talk about me and you actually are both on later. Of, I would wait on him instead. Well, hit me with the, uh, the Julian. What do you got? I mean, for Edward Julian, in terms of why I like him, uh, with the twins last year, obviously he came on, he was one of the, well, before I do that, did I, or did I get to your guy first? No, I was. Uh, well, you can do Julian. I'm. I, that that's fine. Go go okay, on. Well, then let me get my Julian spiel. Yeah. So, sixteen doubles and sixteen get your cards home runs. Huh? <laughs> Nothing. Go. Sixteen doubles and sixteen home runs as a rookie. His walk rate was the fifth best among all big league hitters with four hundred or more plate appearances. The only ones ahead of him were Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, Kyle Schwarber, and Andrew McCutcheon. He posted a five twenty nine OBP and a nine eighty seven OPS when he was ahead in the count. 
though, I mean, just think about those numbers, a 529 OBP and a 987 OPS. He was, we all saw him at first pitch Arizona. This man is just makes insane amount of contact. He hits the ball the opposite way as good as anybody I've ever seen in person. And the one thing I think that he needs to make the adjustment on is he's very passive in two strike counts. So he took a lot of, of uh, called third strikes. He had the lowest swinging strike rate, 42.7% of any hitter with two strikes uh, last season in the bigs. So I think was one of those things he can easily adjust and become more aggressive because if pitchers know he's not swinging with two, uh, with two strikes that he's looking to take, to try to take a walk or take extra balls in those counts, that that's an easy adjustment he can make to become more aggressive. I think the blueprint for him to take the next step is there more than any other player going in that range for him. So I think Edward Julian right now is just an insane value. Um, if he can get past the, the, two strike counts and being passive, just be more aggressive in them. 147 with 128 strikeouts at that point. Like he needs to be more aggressive in two strike counts. And once he does that, I, I think there's another gear for him. But you said you're against him. So you, I've, you can make your argument as well. Oh, I didn't say I was against them. He's my, I'm, I'm again, he's the, oh, he's, the guy I'm, he's the guy I'm avoiding. So I'm, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. He's, his strikeout rate was thir- almost 32% last season. Um, his expected batting average was in the 230s. Uh, I think that the, the walk rate, you know, it's going to be good. He's it, He might lead off for them, but I also think, like, he's, he's gonna, he might hurt your batting average. He also does not steal, which is important. Uh, as it puts you a little bit behind on, from other second baseman, a guy like Julian who does not steal get stolen bases, but I think he could end up hitting in the two thirties or two forties. If he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't start to make that adjustment, I think that strikeout rate is pretty worrisome. He does hit the ball really hard. He has a elite barrel rate, elite hard hit rate. And I think that could perhaps prop up his, his, uh, his BABIP, um, and, and help him keep the batting average up. But, um, you know that there is a there is a, a lower floor on his batting average than a lot of the other guys in this range, and the fact that he doesn't steal, I think, to me, has me off of him. Um, yeah, I mean, I also know that he doesn't really have a position defensively. Yeah, he's going to be the uh, most of the DH, I think, most of the time. His box okay. is going to center. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I I could see there's potential with that defense that he could lose some plate appearances. So those are the the, the few reasons I'm a little bit against him. Um, but, uh, you know, he does have, he has a sweet swing, you know, he, he hits the ball hard. I just, if he can't get those strikeouts under control, then he's, then he's going to have a pretty low batting average. I'm genuinely or generally when a rookie has a high strikeout rate, I don't, I'm not necessarily deterred from it because baseball, I think is the hardest thing as a rookie to get adjusted to more than any other sport, maybe outside being a rookie quarterback in football you're seeing the the gap from triple a to the bigs is so huge. That's why people are saying they're quad a players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think when I see a strikeout rate as a rookie, I need another year before I'd be concerned about the strikeout rate. That's definitely how I draft. That's not one of the things that deters me from a rookie. When I look at them, I'm looking for what did they do? Well, their rookie season, right? And they build off of that and then just work on their weaknesses. And with Julian, I felt like that was a very distinct weakness with the two strikes that he can fix and maybe lower that strikeout rate and become more aggressive. His, his uh, strikeout rate was 25, 26% in the minor league. So it wasn't like, 
really good in the minor league. So I think, but if you can get it down to like 25, 26, mm-hmm. scrape back five or 6% more plate appearances from strikeouts, that, that would make a difference for him for sure. But I think, um, I think the strikeout rate now is worse. I mean, that is an adjustment he has to make. Yeah. Well, Edward Julian, definitely a, a polarizing player on the show. Uh, but for those listening, kind of decide which case you want to go with in that term of the draft um, for Edward Julian. I think I'm now in jumbled where we are. I'm pretty sure where we talked about, we did Drury, we did Julian on both sides. Frank did Estrada. Frank, did you, who is the player you um, don't like in this range? Yeah, so many, I think maybe you should go take a walk or something. And, <laughs> <Julian>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is Edward Julian for me. Did he you see Frank's kid. poker face that whole time? He did not no, give up that. He, that, that. he was just waiting on that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, maybe he'll just skip me and uh, go on to somebody else. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this one hurts because I had Julian in my lone dynasty league. I, I wound up trading him away this year. I was going for it. it. It was like a trade where I wound up getting Zach Eflin, so it was worth it. But uh, we did see him out in the AFL a couple of years ago. Such an interesting profile, hitting the ball to all fields. This guy was in the home run derby in the Arizona Fall League. Mm-hmm. And he was like hitting line drives to the opposite field in a home run derby. Just, who does that? Like normal <laughs> hitters don't do that. Like there were... People that I was talking to, other prospect people were like, I wonder how many pitches Edward Julian's going to take in the home run derby because he just doesn't swing the bat. So I, I thought you made a really good point, Mendy, about the adjustment that he can make, right? If he cuts down on those two strike counts, taking called third strikes and being a little bit more aggressive, it's never really been a part of his game. Maybe he changes it now just to kind of stri- cut down that strikeout rate a little bit, but yeah, I mean, there are things that I'm worried about. It's that 31% strikeout rate. It's He puts the ball on the ground a lot. It's a 50% ground ball rate. He is such a unique hitter. I mean, the fact that his barrel rate is so high, yet he hits the ball on the ground 50% of the time. You just don't normally see things like that line up. He, he's just He's kind of a unicorn in terms of his profile. Something else I worry about, too, he was awful against lefties. He hit 196, 447 OPS, 22 WRC+. Plus. And he's on a team that loves to platoon. So is he going to lose playing time, strikeouts, potentially hurting the batting average? You know, look, if you're playing an OBP league or maybe a points league, I think Julian is maybe a player that can strive in that format. But if we're just talking about the standard five by five categories with batting average and stolen bases, I don't think that he's going to give you much in those things. He's still young enough where he can improve and he can make those adjustments and he can make me look foolish. But It's just such a weird profile. I don't really know what to do with him. And most often I'm just kind of passing him up where he's going in drafts right now. That's fair. Obviously the concerns are there. I think, again, where the range he's going right now, was he the 18th second baseman off the board? Um, It's not a crazy price. Like, you know, 211, it's not like prohibitive for you to draft him. It's just there are other players in that range. He has the most upside. You know, he's one of the guys who has the most upside in there, but the floor is... 400 plate appearances batting 230. Yeah. Yeah, I would you agree. Know? So, in a vacuum, I know where Marty stands on this and I know where I stand. Would you rather have Julian or Drury? Oh, geez. You know, <laughs> I kind of like Drury. <laughs> oh, man. I think, I think maybe it's like a deep league thing because yeah. Marty's right. I mean, look, deep league, just set it and forget it. It's not a He's so consistent, mile, but 250 with 25 plus home runs, it definitely plays. And you know, while you guys were talking about him, I, I pulled it up on the Rasball Player Raider. 
Last year, even in 12-team leagues, Brandon Drury graded out as the 145th best player. Not just hitter, 145th best player. So I think that is a player that you're you're starting more often than not in leagues with like a corner and a middle infielder. Uh, let me, I just published my rankings to the site because I don't, I don't frankly remember which one I have ranked higher, but I'll pull up my second base ranks and let you guys know who I have. Um, And I'm going to just kind of filibuster for a second here. While you're looking it up, do we want to make a pod bet right now? Mm. Who finishes higher next year on the Rasball player Raider between Julian and Brandon Drury? And a standard five by five with batting average. I'll I'll take that bet. I'll take Drury. Same. Uh, Yeah, I have Drury at 17. I have Julian at 19. So. Consider it done. All right. So, how about loser pays for a first round of first pitch next year? Ah, Actually, no, I guess, I guess yeah, that season will be over. That'll be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Let's that's do it. Let's go. Right. Write it down somewhere. Remind me. All right. There we go. We're locked in. Uh, Marty, to close out this section, you did want to talk about one player you're also avoiding here in Tommy Edmond. Yeah. Just real quick. I mean, he's at the, the bottom of the lineup. No power. The expected batting average is taking a dip. I don't know how much he's going to play. It's just, I, I'm just completely out on him. I, I mean, no, I, all the guys we've talked about, I'd rather have instead of him. Yeah, he's kind of lost in the cracks here, I think, a little bit. One uh, other note on Edmund, I was just going to quickly mention, he had arthroscopic surgery on his wrist in the offseason, too, and they're saying they hope he's ready for spring training. So I, I think that's just like a little added element of uncertainty and something yeah. to pay attention to, right? Like, let's see how healthy this guy is in spring training because – if he's not ready to go, like he should probably be going, I don't know, 30, 50 picks later than he is right now. I agree. I I don't think a few years ago, I remember he was going as like a top five second baseman. No, wasn't it? Um, we were talking about that. There potentially was another gear in terms of his power. And obviously he already had the steals. So his ADP got pretty high, but I think we kind of know the player he is now. And the Cardinals are undergoing major changes offensively, defensively. Coach, everybody, it seems like the Cardinals are kind of an influx state right now. Tommy Edmond is not somebody I'm interested in with the other second baseman we talked about in this range. Marty, let's close out the second baseman going after the 20th off the board because we have the same guy here. I don't usually, I'm not a Twins homer, but I was very kind of happy to see where they are ranking some of these Twins players. We are both loving Jorge Polanco this season. So why don't you go ahead and tell our audience why they should be drafting Jorge Polanco as the 23rd second baseman off the board going right now at pick 261. Well, part of it is I just draft him every year, and one one of these years he's going to stay healthy, right, guys? <laughs> we, just so. need, we just need that one year. But, no, he consistently no. crushes. No? Okay, there you go. He consistently crushes the ball, but he, and he has great, uh, great patience. Um, now his contact rate has dipped down for the second time. Uh, for for two years in a row, but I, again, I think there's there's 25 home runs, solid batting average, and if and it's not a it's not a thing of like they want to play him. Like he is their he is their second baseman, but uh, yeah, he just needs to needs to stay healthy. So where he's at, it's more of like an upside play. Well, if we're talking about ups, like again, so I looked at his ADP. His he was the 10th second baseman off the board last season. Now he's the 24th second baseman off the board. That's a huge difference from the last year. And then the year before he was 10th, he was going in the top five because that was the year where he hit 30 home runs. So his ADP has gone from a top five second baseman to a top 10 second baseman to the 24th second or now 23rd second baseman off the board. But this is a guy in a full season that has shown to be hitting 240, 250 
And if he plays 130, 140 games, 20 home runs is coming. Last year, he played 80 games, had 14 homers and four stolen bases. So again, we're not going to say double that and extrapolate it to a, a full season, but you you go to 130 games, 140 games, potentially that, that's a 20 homer player, probably about 10, maybe best case scenario, 15 steals. You're getting him in the 250 plus range. Roster resource has him hitting third in a stacked twins lineup. Twins lineup, you know, being one of the the highest scoring offenses in baseball. Um, I think he's I think he's a bargain here. I think he he's dropped well below the point where uh this is a very acceptable spot for him. So I, I I'm with you on Jorge Polanco here. Yeah, it's more of about the power. I don't think the stolen bases get over 10 with you know him being 30 and the fact that he's constantly injured and, and they need him in there. I would say eight would be like a godsend, but still, hey, it's not nothing. That's right. Let's go to, uh, so Frank, in this range, your guy that you, uh, again, this is this is pretty much, you're calling your shot here because you're getting a guy after the pick 200 that you're going to draft. Who is it? Yeah, so I texted Mendy earlier in the day and I asked him, well, could I cheat a little <laughs> bit because there's this player I like, he doesn't have second base eligibility yet. Uh, and that player is Vaughn Grissom. Shortstop eligible for now, but likely to play second base for the Red Sox, and he will gain that eligibility early on in the season. If you look at his ADP during the span, it's 259. So that would slot in right around the 23rd second baseman off the board. Came over to the Red Sox in the Chris Sale trade just a few years back. We remember Vaughn Grissom getting called up late in the 2022 season. Looked like he was a league winner down the stretch. He hit 291, five homers, five steals across 51 games. He's put up big numbers in the minor leagues as well. 330 career hitter down there with an 884 OPS. Projections seem really conservative on this guy. Uh, 285, love that. Only nine homers, only eight steals. I think he's closer to like a 15-15 bat with that batting average. And for where he's going, you know, to find someone that could give you a little bit of power and speed and help you in batting average, that's a pretty rare skill set to find even outside the top 200 picks, let alone, you know, around 250 where he's going right now. Love the opportunity. Love mm-hmm. the Red Sox lineup this year, too. I, maybe it's just I have rose-colored glasses on for the Red Sox, which doesn't make sense. You see all the Yankee stuff behind me. But I just think that if everything goes right, this Red Sox lineup could be like a top-five offense in baseball, right? Devers, mm-hmm. Yoshida, breakout season from Tristan Casas, mm-hmm. breakout season from Jaron Duran, a rebound from Trevor Story. If Tyler O'Neill could stay on the field, it's just there's so much to like. And then there's Fenway Park, too, right? So a right-handed batter getting the green monster in left field. It's just everything is lining up perfectly for Vaughn Grissom here. And uh, I really like his potential for this upcoming season. I have a really, really deep name, too, Mendy. You want me to throw it to you? Oh, always. Let's go. Okay, this is really, really deep. A name to watch. Ryan Bliss. He is a second-base prospect with the Seattle Mariners. He came over from the D-backs in the Paul Seawald trade last year. He's a small dude. He's only five foot six, but he packs a punch. Breakout season in the minors last year, hit 305, 23 homers, 55 steals. He got mm. 60 games in at AAA, played out in the Arizona Fall League. I got to watch him. Didn't do much out there. I actually saw him make some really good defensive plays, but uh, just in terms of his performance in the AFL, not really much to talk about. You look at the Mariners' depth chart right now, the bottom of that lineup, Josh Rojas at second base. Luis Arias at third base. I mean, 
These are kind of retreads, guys that haven't done much over the past couple of years. Given that Ryan Bliss just had a breakout season, he's played 60 games in AAA, I think there's a real chance that we could see him up early in the season. This is real deep league stuff, like 15-team, mixed roto, like end of your bench, AL only, or just like a watch list. Stick him there and, and see what happens. But I think a name to watch, Ryan Bliss with the Seattle Mariners. Stick him in your lineup and have pure bliss is what I'm hearing. Yeah, let's go. Uh, so I'm looking right now, roster resource. They have their starting second baseman is Josh Rojas. It doesn't seem like that's someone that, yeah, it, it, that, that's definitely not entrenched. Luis Urias is their starting third baseman. Luke Raley is their starting left fielder. Their lineup is really bad. Their bottom half of their lineup is awful. Uh, if someone like that's electric and he's producing, is he supposed to start the year in AAA? Yeah, considering he played 60 games at, at AAA last year already, my guess is he'll start there. I don't think it's impossible. Like, if he shows up to spring training and just mashes, do they have him up on opening day? I, I don't think it's impossible, right? So let's see mm-hmm. what this kid does in spring training. But, you know, if he doesn't start with the Mariners, he'll be in AAA. And, and my guess is he'll be up pretty early on in the season. Yeah, I, I like that call. And it's definitely someone that I'm going to be keeping an eye on in drafts. Uh, I'm guessing obviously he's not on the NFBC because he didn't play last year. So you're not going to be able to take him in a standard draft, but um, I'm not sure about a standard draft, but for anyone who's doing like these 50 round draft and holds, I'm in round 45 and one and no one has taken him yet. And I'm going to take him with my next pick. So, (laughs) you know, we're talking about like the end game here, but he is a player I think has quite a bit of upside. The, Player LC, I want to get to your last player mm-hmm. here. The one thing I, I did notice, I wanted to be, we were talking about Hassam Kim before, and this is a name that's interesting. Has Jake Cronenworth fallen way down enough to where you would take a chance on a discount with him? Because he used to be, he was one of the guys that was kind of ascending and his multi-position eligibility, the fact that he was hitting in a stacked lineup, he looked like he was an up-and-coming player. Jake Cronenworth is not talked about at all anymore. And with... Juan Soto gone, and with the Padres kind of seeming like they're not that they're full on rebuilding, but you know, you hear haters going to be traded, and you know, I think they regret that uh, Xander Bogart's contract. I mean, playing time could be there for him. Is he somebody that you'd be willing to take a shot at? I'll, I'll pull his ADP up in a second, but just curious your guys' thoughts on Cronenworth. Uh, not until he gets traded. I, I think he's going to play. Um, Cronenworth, but I don't, I don't like his, his quality has gone down. I think the plate appearances are going to be there though. So where mm-hmm. he's going, if you want to, if you want to get some, some depth, some plate appearance depth so that you have uh, someone to plug in. Uh, but I don't, uh, his, his, his batted ball quality and his stats really, really fell off last season. So I'm, I, I'm not huge into him. He just doesn't really provide anything. If you look at the past two years, Hit 239 uh, in 2022, 229 last year. I know he was dealing with some injuries, but that batting average, the OPS has been trending in the wrong direction. Just doesn't really have a standout skill. Maybe in a really deep league, just where you value plate appearances, he's going to play. But just in terms of like a standout skill, I don't think he provides anything. Well, what's interesting is it was almost set up like you put it on a T or uh, that our guy here, uh, Don put it on a tee because LC, the guy that you want is the one that goes right before him mm-hmm. and Bryce Durang of the Milwaukee Brewers who might be the surprise team in baseball this year. There's a lot of young talent on this team, 
And if they hold on to Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta looks like the stud he was the second half of the year, maybe Aaron Ashby comes back. The Aaron Ashby tour is going to take effect this year. Tell us why Bryce Terang should be someone we look at. Bryce Terang uh, was a, he only hit 218, as you can see on the screen there in his, in his sample up in the, in the bigs last season. Led to a 26 stolen base season with six home runs. Now, he was a top 100 prospect number uh, uh, prior to coming up. Always poured, uh, showed a good batting average in minor league. I think with a little bit of time and a little bit more more time up in the big leagues, that batting average could get up to to where uh, closer to where it was in in his minor league numbers, where he was a you know regularly hitting in the 280s to 300s. But uh, you know, it doesn't have to go up that much to have that sto- the stolen bases play. I think he's a 30 stolen base guy uh, next season. And I also think when he was a minor leaguer, he did a, he pulled the ball quite a bit more than he did during his time in the big leagues with a little bit more aggressiveness, a little bit more time and comfort. He's going to pull the ball a little bit more and possibly run into a few more home runs. I don't think he's ever going to be a big power hitter, but uh, I think he could easily outpace the six he hit last year, be like a, you know, 10 to 10 to 15 home run guy but possibly with as many as like 30 to 40 stolen bases um, with, with some growth. So he's, he's a potential guy and you're getting him fairly late in the draft. He's going around pick 380, but I like his potential uh, to, to grow off of a rookie season. Yeah. I love the call. I think it's going to be a very again exciting team in Milwaukee. Bryce Sarang is going to be someone, I, I hope there's going to be a little bit more power there this year, but outside of that, I, I think he showed there was a lot of promise with him. Uh, for this coming season. Uh, but on that note, we're going to close the discussion of second baseman because I promised Frank there's going to be a game and I want to make sure we get this game in before uh, we get Frank out of here. So right now, the odds for winning this game, Frank right now is minus 500 to win this game. <laughs> Marty and Art, you guys are right now both at plus money to win. Like probably this better like not be a math problem. problem or like a... It's not way, math. Way okay. too much faith in me. Way too much faith in me. Well, it is a Yankees theme game here. Oh, oh. God. So now if I lose, I'm going to look real bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> true. So, I look like true. one of those Yankee fans. Well, I'm going to be curious if you do good in this game because the game we're playing is simply, was he a Yankee? Oh, so okay. I'm, I'm going to read off 10 players. All you got to do is tell me, yes, he was a Yankee or no, he was not a Yankee. And whoever has the best score out of 10 wins. Simple enough, right? I think I should be all right at this. All right. So, so, how we are, so what yeah, we're going to do is... Really, we're on the same team, right? Uh, well, I kind of joked because, I, I mean, you probably both need to team up to tank him down with the Yankees trivia here. So, I mean, you guys are by yourself, but just... Yeah, let's do every man for himself. Yeah, yeah, you guys are on the same team metaphorically because you're representing okay. the pod. Team TBF. So, okay. yeah, are we, are we DMing oh. you the, our, our yes or no's or how's that? No. So what we're going to do is we'll just take turns. So Art, you'll go first, Marty second, Frank third. Then Marty will go first, Frank second, Art third. So on. Okay. Okay. All right. So number one, Art, you're going to lead off here. First player is Eduardo Nunez. Was he a Yankee? Yes. Marty? No. Frank? Yes. Correct yeah. answer is yes. Eduardo Nunez was a Yankee. <laughs> Marty's already going to lose. Don't, don't go easy on me, Marty. Come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, so keep track of your own score because I'm not going to be able to remember. Uh, so number two, Edwin Jackson. Marty. No. 
Edwin Jackson. The player that has played on the most teams of any MLB player in history. I believe it's 18 teams. I don't think so. I'm going to say no. I, I think he's on like 28 teams or something like that. Edwin <laughs> Jackson's on a bunch. Uh, I don't remember him ever being on the Yankees. So are we on a clean sweep of no? I, I'm saying no. Yeah. Well, you all are correct. He yeah. is one of the few teams he did not play for was the New York Yankees. Shout out to Edwin Jackson. Shout out to the Yankees for never signing it. <laughs> <laughs> that was shocking with all the pitching help they've needed over the years, too. Yeah, they could use him now, actually. <laughs> he gave up way too many home runs. I couldn't imagine. Like, they were like, they weren't going to do that to them. That'd be crazy number, him in New York. Number uh, number three. This one was a near and dear favorite player of mine. Nate McClouth. Frank, starting with you. Nate McClouth. Uh, Pirates. Pirate great, yep. Did he sneak in there? He might have been there as like a buyout or something. I'm going to say no, but I don't know for sure. That's a no for me. Okay. Art? Did he finish his career with the Yankees? Yes. Yes. Marty, I say no. He... Correct answer is no. He did uh, not finish his career with the Yankees. Although, if you'd asked me that without me looking, I would have believed you if, I, if you had said yes. He looks like a guy that would have played at some point, right? Yeah. Like a Chase Headley kind of like. Mm-hmm. I hope Chase yeah. Headley isn't on your list because then I just. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that would have been a good one to put on there. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, number four. I believe Frank right now is sweeping. So hopefully I can get him on one here. Uh, Art, starting with you. Andrew McCutcheon. Yes or no? Yes. Marty? Yes. Frank? Yep, one of my favorite players ever. That was probably too easy. All right. So, number five, Marty, Kevin Euclid. The Uke. Did he after going up, being on Boston? I'm, no. Frank? For those watching the video right now, I'm, I'm doing the, the, that's the Kevin Euclid <laughs> batting stance, you know, hands uh, apart. That's ever. I love uh, it. Yes, he was a Yankee. Damn it. <laughs> I love how Frank says it, and you know that it's correct. <laughs> Art, what do you think? I'm, I'm going to go with Frank on this one and say yes. How brave of you. Thank you're, you. That's, that's <laughs> you're cheating off the smart kid in class, and you're like, if the answer's in front of me, I'm going to take it. Uh, yeah, the correct answer is yes. So I, I know we're through five. I know Frank is perfect. Uh, Art, have you gotten? I have four. So you got four more. Art, you're still in striking distance here. I am. All right. Number six, Billy Butler. I believe Frank starts this one. Uh, that's another good one. Because I can see it in my mind. It makes sense. I'm going to say no. No for Billy Butler. All right, Art. This is a tough one. I mean, I could see him being in spring training and then not making in the opening day roster. Would that count? Like, I only picked players that actually played games. Okay. Um, I don't remember. Now I'm going to go with no as well. No. Old country breakfast. So we're clean sweep. No. Yeah. You guys tailed Frank at the wrong time. He did. Man. Please. I'm probably sure, I'm, I didn't look at the year, but I do know he played for them. Uh, I couldn't imagine him without 
Oh, I guess so. I thought he had a goatee for some reason. He did with the uh, with the Royals. He did with the wow. Royals. He played yeah. twelve games with the Yankees in twenty sixteen. Yep. My gosh! <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a good one. That's a good that's one. your best one so far. That's a good one. Yeah. I've got a few more good ones in here. Uh, all right, so number seven, Art, starting with you, Jason mm-hmm. Grilly. That's a yes for me, dog. Yes. yes for you, dog. Yep. I think so. I think so, yeah. Wow, you all are slipping. No for Jason Grilly. He really? did not play for the Yankees. Sounded so right. He played for a lot of teams. I think he it was like eight or nine teams yeah. was his final total, but Yankees were not one of them. <laughs> a name that you forget about, and then you... You see his name and you're like, oh, that Jason Grilly. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, he did play for a lot of teams. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, all right. I think the only current player on this list, Rich Hill. Starting with Marty. Yes. Ah, uh, the old mountain. Uh, if he did, it was before, like way back in the day, because it hasn't happened recently. Uh, no, I'm going to say no. You said, so Marty, you said yes. I said yes. Frank said no. Art? This could be big for you. This could be big. I, I, my instinct is yes. I'm going to go with yes. But I'm, I'm, the answer is yes. (gasps) He did play for the Yankees. What? Crazy. He did. It must have been, uh, I mean, it wasn't recently, right? I should have looked at the exact time when I was putting this together, but I was doing all my prep. I think I think the Cubs traded him directly to the Yankees in like 2008 or 9. 2014? Oh, 2014? Oh. As a reliever? What? How many, the... how many games did it say he played for them? 14 games. Man, just snuck in there. 14 wait how is this possible 14 <laughs> games five and a third innings wow lefty like, specialist like two innings here like one and a third innings there wow oh gosh that was uh all right that was better than uh billy butler Jeez. so on so are you picked up a point are you guys tied i have five i have five yeah i have four come on whoa okay marty's coming back here too. oh man slacking we got, we got two left here Wow. All right, number nine, starting with Frank Miguel Tejada. Oh man, Miguel Tejada! If it happened, it was like a late career, kind of like Billy Butler, twelve games. Uh, I'm gonna say no. Art, no. I gotta so say yes, really. just so I can try to get ahead here. <laughs> that's, yes. game, that's game theory. <laughs> it is. Uh, Marty, too bad. Uh, fortunately, you should have gone with your gut and said no, because the correct answer is no. Martin Ogletahat did not play for the Yankees. Well, he should have. <laughs> All of yeah, these players, of- it, it, like I have a perfect image of them being like forty years old in a Yankee yes. uniform. I, I don't know why. That's the only reason I included. I How did you to- come up with this list? Were you just like, who are guys that have been on a bunch of teams? So I typed it on Google. I said, who are the Yankee players you forgot about? And there was a good list of a bunch of them. And then wow. I came up. I looked at MVP Baseball 2005 rosters, and then looked at players that I knew okay. jumped around a little bit. And but then I made sure they didn't play for the Yankees. That's so good. Shout out All to right. the best baseball video game ever. Yeah, oh no, my God. I so wish they would just remake it. Like, remake it. 
the soundtrack, um, all of it. Oh yeah. All right. So the last player here, and so Frank and uh and Art, you guys are tied. So if one yeah. of you guys do it differently, this could be the win here. Who leads off? I'm trying to think. Is well, it, do they have five? Do they have five? They both have six. Six. Yeah. Oh, I'm out. All right. All right. Art. Yeah, I go first. Yeah. Mark Melanson. No. Frank. Yes. Frank, do you want to lock that in? Are you sure? <laughs> Regis filming over here. <laughs> no, I was really confident, and now you got me second guessing. I'm gonna lock it in. Yes. Oh, the man stuck to his guns, rightfully so. The correct answer is yes. Mark Lanson did play. Yes, let's go. Well done, man. I do not remember him being a Yankee. A buzzer you know, beater, walk off three pointer. It. Wow. I had it in my head, uh, like right away. I was like, "Yeah, he definitely played for them." And then you asked me, "I'm like, oh. <laughs> had to play up the drama just a little bit, you know." But wow. I, I did not realize he ever played for the Yankees. I like he had yeah. been such a good reliever. For, I remember like the Pirates and a couple other teams, but I never remembered him on the Yankees. Was it before the Pirates? Yeah, it was. It was '09 and oh. 2010. The Pirates and Yankees are always making those trades. '09. He must have been like He's on the World Series team. Yeah, I'm like, did he get a World Series ring with the Yankees? <laughs> that's actually pretty wild. That's true. That's bar trivia right there. Jeez. Mark Melanson's a World Series champion from the New York Yankees. That yeah, is that's great. Our... I love it. Uh, I feel like Lil Cheesecake let me win, so I'll take it. I appreciate <laughs> appreciate any win I could get. But Never. man, yeah, that was that was good, man. Some... Yeah. Frank, you took it home. Six out of ten. That's over fifty percent. That was the solid win there. Uh, on a very hard group of players to choose from. So congratulations on the win. And thank you again so much for hopping on the pod with us, man, because it's always a good time when we get to chat it up with you. Yeah, dude. Thank you guys for having me. Lots of fun. I uh, hope, you know, it was informative for everyone listening. Always fun to talk with you guys. Hope I can see you out at First Pitch Arizona again uh, later this year. Um, and hopefully Mendy will be buying us drinks because Brandon Jury is off. <laughs> yeah. Well, when Julian does finish higher on the Rasball Player Raider, uh, then I'll make sure I, I let you guys all know all the drinks that we had that were on both of these gentlemen down in November. But uh, for for Frank, for Marty Party, for a little cheesecake, I'm D Mendy. We're gonna make like a bread truck and we're gonna haul these buns. Talk to you guys next week.